Welcome to the third series of my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. I'm Lisa. As a psychologist, psychotherapist, and a business owner of It's Time for Change, I'm lucky enough to get involved with so many different aspects of employee engagement and experience. Whether that's about leadership style, mental health, the metaverse, attention and recruitment, after action reviews, or so much more, there is something on this podcast for everyone. My mantra is simple, get people right, get business right. You'll get to hear from some really interesting people who have stories, insights, and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company with inspiring leadership, an awesome culture, and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. So hello and welcome to this episode of Beyond the Water Cooler. Today I'm joined by Andrew Dean, who's director at Menlo Park. Um, And I think his whole LinkedIn profile says it all. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it here because um, I love it when I see a profile that really hits a chord with me. Our methods and purpose come from our belief that everyone should be happy and fulfilled at work. Placing the right people in the right roles will increase happiness, security and productivity in the workplace, in turn leading to people enjoying an overall greater sense of well-being in their lives. But those capable of making a big positive difference within environments that embrace their qualities and the technologies that enhance their skills, driving innovation and solutions. People can pursue their passionate work, persevere, stay the course and achieve great things. You're completely speaking my language, mm-hmm. Andrew. So welcome to the, the show. Thanks very much. Yeah. Before we dive into the how you said about shaping a company that says what it does and puts people firmly at the center tell us more about what Menley Park is actually about um what it's about I mean I suppose it's a couple of things that the core of the business is is primary care and um that's where you know that's the background of me and my business partner um you know James and we set that up back in 2015 um after having some experience experience in the uh, in the sector kind of previously um we'd recognized there were some niches in the market that we thought that we could tackle at the time and and we literally um set out just just the two of us couple of laptops couple of phones you know no, no backing or anything like that mm. um and uh, you know literally um were you know there headhunting you know gps calling gp surgeries um and, and we grew organically um from from there so you know we we we, we grew there wasn't a specific plan but we took on people um, as and when we were, you know, getting too busy, um, essentially. Um, so, because it's been a very kind of, you know, personal uh, endeavor, I suppose a lot of, you know, uh, Menlo Park, um, you know, comes from the both of us in terms of, you know, the, the values and, and the beliefs. And uh, yeah, when we set the business up, you know, we'd both come from the exact same environment. So we'd had very similar shared experience and there were ideas that we had in terms of, you know, if we were to you know, bring other people in mm-hmm. and what we wanted the environment um, to, to be like. And because it has been very organic growth and we don't just take people on, you know, 10 at a time, we've been able to kind of, you know, shape that very gradually and I think build a very kind of, you know, cohesive atmosphere that you wouldn't necessarily get in, you know, lots of other companies, particularly if they were, you know, financially backed mm. or if you were having to recruit huge numbers of people um, at, at one time, because of course, when you do that, it's going to give you a completely different mm. you know, demographic and you're not going to be able to control some mm. of those variables, um, you know, around personalities that, you know, shape a, shape a company. So, that's how we've, I think, maintained, uh, you know, even as we've got bigger, a very similar kind of environment to, to what we had at the very beginning, which is entrepreneurial, but it's also, you know, fun, um, but ultimately based on, you know, getting getting really good results and being really good at what we do. Mm. I think it's interesting, isn't it, is, is setting out with the right intention and building mm-hmm. your company based on um, quite a clear ethos that you want to yeah. shape and you want to maintain and I think because one of my questions was going to be and actually you've answered it was that sense of has the approach the ethos that you've got now been something you've always wanted or is that something you come to with more experience and it sounds like actually from day one you're quite clear about how you wanted your organization to yeah. be how we wanted to feel 
Yeah, there was no set plan. It's not like, as I say, you know, we um, when we started out, we were setting up a, a company. We essentially mm-hmm. work, so you, you know, have to do that at company's house for, you know, um, accountancy reasons and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But we were just, you know, two guys and we, and we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but even though there were just, you know, two of us, we started with a structure that a bigger company would have. Mm. So we literally had, you know, uh, policies and documents and, you know, assigned us, you know, we had to book annual leave and, you know, right. a spreadsheet at the time and, uh, you know, something as sophisticated as that. Um, but we, yeah, we were doing stuff and maintaining a discipline that um, you would have in a larger company, even when there were just two of us. And I suppose that what, you know, what that meant is when we, when we did scale, even though it was, you know, one or two people, you know, at, at, at a time, we kind of had those habits and, and behaviours and policies, you know, there. Mm. It wasn't something that we then had to go, right, you know, what do we do? Um, so I think, yeah, even though we didn't know how we were going to scale and at, at what rate, we, we did start with the mindset of, a, of perhaps a bigger company. Love it. So I came across your well I came across you actually more recently through your um work from anywhere policy mm-hmm. which actually just goes to show that um providing positive opportunities for your people really is good for your branding because that that's the message and um, mm-hmm. that connected me to you um, and there's a great great quote from um professor Raj Chowdhury of the Harvard Business School which there are two kinds of companies one is going to embrace work from anywhere and the second is in denial. I feel those companies will lose their workforce. You have to make a clear choice as a leader what kind of company you want to lead. So how have you interpreted that approach to working anywhere and what difference does it actually make? Um, so I think it's it's a pretty clear you know definition. I mean, you know we we've got it in the staff handbook. It's a standalone you know policy, um, but it's, it's it's very kind of you know simple. We give people two weeks, so um, you know, two weeks where essentially they can be based wherever in the world and 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 work. Um, and you know you can do that a variety of different ways whether that's in a, a chunk but we've also had for example employees that have um, you know gone away with with family they may work um the morning so half a day and then spend you know the afternoons um you know, with, with with family um and having some some downtime uh, you can bolt it on to a long weekend or we've got you know some members of staff that have you know family um abroad so it's possible for them to you know maybe even have um, you know a week of annual leave and bolt on a week of you know of work from from anywhere um as well um so it's actually you know dead dead simple there aren't any kind of like major you know i suppose the major ca- you know, caveats are you know, logistical in the sense that you need to be somewhere where you have access to wi-fi and mm. your computer needs to work and, and all of those types of things but otherwise it's it's, it's really really flexible and has it made a difference like is it is it something that um, is kind of one of those little perks that people like, or is mm. it something that's really made a difference that to how people feel about working um, at, in, in at Menlo Park? Um, I think it's still early days. It's like anything. There are some um, you know, people that, that latch on to this kind of like uh, thing, or, or, or to be honest, any new initiative, mm. you know, early and, and start making the uh, the most of it. So I've got a couple of people that are. And then I've got, I think we've got a, you know, a few people that are, are still trying to, you know, get their, their heads around it. Um, and some of the people even, and um, that we thought, yeah, this would be, you know, excellent for, I think they just need to, you know, embrace it and actually start kind of, you know, planning around it. So I think we'll see more of that this, this new financial year and our, our new financial year starts in, in October um, and then the holiday year from, um, from January. Um, so yeah, there's been some really, you know, nice examples of where it's been used and they've been, oh, wow. Um, yeah, I wish I wish mm-hmm. I had that um, when I was at that time in, in, in my life. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it's one of those where people need to, you know, embrace it. And I think that will gradually happen over the uh, the next few months, especially as they've now started to see uh, some mm-hmm. of the colleagues using it um, really effectively. Do you have a sense, Andrew, of what is getting in the way of those people embracing it you know from the offset like is it a sense of because you know when you get new initiatives in a company sometimes it's that sense of sounds great but so um you know 
is is it there for me to use but actually if I use it all I'm going to be judged or um you know I've, I've still got to I've still really got to work in the more traditional way it's only for those people who are I know younger or more adventurous or got family abroad or I don't there's there's often the people have their own narrative have you got any idea about for your employees what that narrative might be yeah I think it you know um to me personally I, I think it's it's mainly just you know um adherence to, to new policies and mm. um you know people embracing change because mm. you know, with, with other initiatives that are completely different to, to this there are always people that you know right okay I'll, I'll work that into my plan um immediately and and those that that don't they kind mm. of like you know just 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 sit there um a little bit um so I think it's more, I think it's more that. And I think it's, you know, it's potentially, um, you know, lack of planning. And of course, when we, when we did introduce it, it was actually part way through um, the holiday year. Mm-hmm. So by then a number of people have already booked, you know, holidays and, and mm-hmm. things like that and, and made arrangements. So I think we'll, we'll actually kind of, you know, really see it coming to force from January mm-hmm. where people are, are making those arrangements and booking, you know, the, the longer holidays again. Because they'll be able to do it now, yeah. um, knowing that they've they've also got the the work from anywhere policy that they can you know bolt onto it or um, or use kind of you know flexibly. Um, yeah, what I've kind of um, you know I'm surprised not to have seen is it just a few more kind of you know, long weekends, especially for some of the members of staff where they're you know just able to you know go there, get down there on Friday, do a bit of work, and then you know, finish, finish that bit earlier. Um, but I think, you know, as with most things, you know, social testimony is a, is a big thing. And as soon as, you know, a few people start to do it, they'll be like, yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's really good. I want to, I want a piece of that action as, as well. So we have seen it with, with a few people and I think we'll, we'll see more of it um, next year for sure. I would be all over that long weekend. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's a really good point about um, the impact of change. And when people talk about the sort of cycle of change and how people, can struggle actually people tend to think about the negative impact of change and actually people can be anxious about change or a bit mm-hmm. resistant to change even when it appears to be something yeah. so incredibly positive mm-hmm. um, that only good can come of it so I think um, that's a really good example of the need to you know that social testimony is really important and and just that reassurance that actually this is only going to lead to Mm-hmm. good outcomes it's for positive benefit there's no there are no drawbacks it's always that that what if mm-hmm. um in the background so I think that's um yeah it's a really good observation and I think your you know your the way you talk and your um I guess your awareness of wanting to create the right environment for people to be able to work in their best way in terms of taking a you know, long weekend when they want and and so on that must be what led you a couple of weeks ago to engage in um or be quite brave actually and mm. engage in um an activity which is about collecting feedback from your employees and their ideas about how to look at improvement so what you know when you decided to run that session and to find out actually what's really going on now and how can we make it better what was it that led you to that point of thinking okay i need to press the pause button um I need to get everyone in a room together I need to kind of look at how things really are from their perspective what got you to that point um uh probably like a, you know probably a couple of things so um you know the first is you know we we, we present back to um you know the team on a on a quarterly um you know basis in terms of um results performance etc and we also you know try and arrange activities to bring the, the team together um and i don't know you know sometimes when, when you're doing it and, and you're looking for ideas um you know it can get a bit you know samey it's like right okay yeah we, we could do that again but actually we did that you know um last year or you know 18 months ago or whatever so um yeah it was the opportunity to kind of like you know go away um be out of the the business but actually um you know uh use it as an opportunity to, to get some some feedback because i suppose you know the second part of it is um, it's important to you know survey and measure engagement, um, but it should you know it, it should be also you know a gradual thing and um, you know i.e. you you know it, it shouldn't just be something that that people kind of like do once every so often um, 
and and be a forced thing and be you know sterile and where someone you know knows their their opinion is almost you know being tested it, it, it there should be you know different methodologies that you use um so so it was the opportunity to do that and we'd not done it before and um yeah we, we just kind of you know we just kind of went with it um you know to be honest um but uh, we wanted to give people a platform we we're conscious to you know give people a platform um at a time of year where it wasn't necessary where they were being surveyed um so we could you know get some some action points and you know, bring them into the to the business essentially and i like your um comment about different methodologies because so many people will adopt one methodology and say that's the way we do it mm -hmm. which just doesn't capture half of um what's potentially out there so you and I had a brief conversation discussing the methodology yeah. um, because it was, you know, I, I loved the fact that you you had set the date and you're like, right, we're going to do this. I'm not quite sure how we're going to do it, but you trusted that it was going to come together. And um, we were discussing ideas about how you're going to create an environment where everyone had a voice and everyone had felt safe enough to to speak up. How did you go about? Because I haven't had any feedback from this yet. So other than you said it, yeah. yeah, it went pretty well. How did you go about actually conducting that session so that everyone felt safe enough to speak up and you know share yeah. what they actually felt was really going on? Yeah, um, we kind of started with um, it's like how how do you almost brand the the session um, because you know you, you start looking at brainstorming and things like and obviously there was there's a, a point a few years ago it was like oh you can't say you know brainstorming and all this kind of you know, um nonsense which is obviously you can but but still uh, you know wanted to, to kind of move away from that so um i actually called it the ideas laboratory um in the end um because you know menlo park was a laboratory um where edison you know invented you know, many things but um you know, were uh, the uh, the light bulb, of course, the incandescent light bulb, hence all of our, you know, branding. Um, so, so yeah, I kind of, you know, branded it the Ideas Laboratory and split it into, you know, three groups. I think it was like um, Ohio, um, New Jersey, and um, Michigan. Um, the three places where, you know, um, you know, he was born, grew up, and, uh, you know, eventually kind of uh, departed this this mortal coil. So it kind of it gave it a, you know, a bit of a brand from, from the beginning and, Kind of like honed, honed into you know to, to us as a as, as a company um but i think it, you know uh, just just that structure and that that advice that, that you'd given beforehand was was good um because i think it would have been hard to engage people um you know as an entire group in in one go so it did two things it you know it, it split it into you know smaller groups where people could you know have more of a voice um and, and we timed it as well so you know we gave you know initial timings for um you know the ideas uh, so that was like you know phase one and, and we explained the structure prior to you know people going away and do this so yeah phase one you get those ideas you know down on the board um you know at the the respective you know groups and then phases you know two three and four are going to be expanding on those ideas at the end of which Will present the more developed ideas back to um, you know the group as a as a whole. So it just kept it more engaging because they weren't just kind of like sat in one place. They were you know physically moving as mm -hmm. as, as well as you know just you know changing ideas and, and seeing what other people had um, you know um, contributed. Uh, so it just gave it a, you know I think a you know an energy and um, you know a flow um, mm -hmm. that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So that was you know the structure something I would keep and I think that worked um, you know really well. And small groups definitely help people speak up. Um, I think that's really helpful. How did you get over, because it reminds me a little bit of um, after action reviews. Uh, and I've recorded a pod episode with Rob Smedley recently talking about um, one we conducted with his team. And we were very mindful when we set that up that Rob wanted to avoid that sense of hierarchy. So having, um, Rob and you know his senior leadership team in a room with everyone else um actually how how we were we were very conscious about how we can kind of um level the playing field so everyone felt they could speak up freely that was my job as a facilitator to manage that but mm -hmm. you did this within kind of within house mm -hmm. so how did you 
managed to flatten that hierarchy because I can imagine some people listening to this will think well that's all very well asking people but they're never going to tell the truth or mm-hmm. share their ideas if yeah. you've got the leadership in the room mm-hmm. um well first things it was actually a pretty big room so especially it mm-hmm. was um you know absolutely fine for us to actually be quite separate um you know to the team so whilst um you know I gave an introduction to uh, you know the structure and and the principles so the guiding principles in terms of you know basically like a, a code of conduct you know respecting you know others opinions etc cetera, etc cetera. um you know no idea is a bad idea um it, it was then actually um easy in, in terms of the layout and and the space to be you know very separate um from the team so we did have someone um uh, you know, keeping an eye on, on, on timings. But again, that was, you know, um, somebody, you know, internal and not in a position of authority that, that was doing so. So, mm. you know, at, at the, you know, when they were going around and, and doing this, we, we didn't, you know, we weren't influencing, we weren't interacting at that stage. And, you know, the first time, that, you know, that we'd done it, you know, we didn't ask any questions as such, you know, beforehand. So we hadn't, um, you know, vetted anyone's, you know, opinions or ideas going into it. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like they were maybe concerned that, oh, I'd, I'd put this forward and you know, it wasn't well received. You know, they were just doing it for their first time, which I think allowed them to be, you know, quite, quite free mm-hmm. with, with what they were doing. Um, so, yeah, there was, there was little, there was little influence over, over that stage in proceedings. And I guess people have to also want their voice to be heard. So that's some of that yeah. will be about, you'll know people in your company who very much, want their voice to be heard and um and they're perhaps very good at delivering that and other people have who are just not as confident at speaking up um sharing their opinions it actually reminds me of a podcast um life beyond the numbers where and i'll put a link to that in the, the show notes where susan talks about the power of voice and if everyone used their voice well then mm-hmm. we could um there could be a lot of very positive change happening and, and things could happen a lot quicker uh, in, and in quite a safe way, but people have also got to want to speak up and shape what is their existence rather than almost being a, just a passive participant in it. Um, yeah. And I, I'm always still slightly shocked when I work with some companies where people have are given an opportunity to have a voice and actually it's the right environment, so it is safe, um, but they don't make the most of that voice. They don't find a way to get their voice heard um, within a setting where it actually is safe to do so. So it sounds like you did that um, quite well. Did people engage? Like how, how well did, did people engage with that process? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think on the main, um, I think, you know, one of the stipulations was, you know, everyone's got to ha- have at least an idea. It doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, in the first instance, you know, it doesn't need to be kind of, you know, well-developed. So we're encouraging people, I suppose, not to, you know, over, overthink it. Um, and, um, you know, I suppose you know the setting combined with you know the informal kind of your know, nature of it was designed to promote creative uh, thinking um you know because it wasn't you know sterile because people didn't think oh my gosh i'm gonna be you know, tested you know straight away um from you know from from what i gather and from obviously looking at the answers and then the, you know the group um, you know feedback session i think you know most people um mm-hmm. actually had um a say i think you know, if, if there'd have been like a, you know, a major concern as well, um, you know, that might have influenced our decision whether to do it or not. But because we know we've got, you know, high engagement levels and we know reliably just from, you know, um, surveys and interacting with the, the guys on a regular basis that people can be trusted to, you know, um, engage in something like this. We were, you know, reasonably confident that there weren't people, you know, people weren't going to be dominated or, or not be able to, to have a say, because of course, I think, you know, in those situations, it has the opposite effect, you know, someone's going to feel you know, disengaged and all oh, right, we've had this kind of event and I've you know, still not been able to, you know, to, to have a say, but that relates back to, I suppose, what, you know, one of the, you know, the points um, I mentioned earlier, which is why you've got to have different methods yes. of actually, you know, um receiving feedback because everyone is you know different and some people will not feel comfortable um you know in this kind of scenario um but you know they may give anonymous feedback mm. um, so it, it just depends but yeah i think engagement levels were, were really high actually that and, and that anonymous feedback reminds me of a, a piece of work i did years and years and years ago actually before i set my company up um 
and we were getting feedback in an organization where people are quite sensitive about giving feedback it was not a psychologically safe environment mm -hmm. and we ended up putting boxes um sealed cardboard boxes around the place in the kitchen in the toilets and so on and had feedback forms where we had specific um bullet points on there mm -hmm. so whenever someone had an issue they didn't have to worry about putting in an email or whatever they could literally didn't have to put a name on it they could write it down put it in the box and then we could yeah. collect them and identify the themes so there is always going to be some creative way that we can get feedback if we're if we're, people yeah. are really interested um mm -hmm. i also like what you said about ideas don't have to be don't have to be refined because i think again that that plays into that psychological safety about when we're asking for feedback people have got to feel okay to come up with something that might sound a bit you know off the page mm -hmm. not really well thought out it might not work but actually just get it out there and, if, and sometimes I think people feel too restrained by that need to have thought it all the way through almost to the end point before mm -hmm. we share it just in case we're judged or just in case someone kind of makes a comment about that's never going to possibly work because it's like well that's fine but actually you've got to encourage that innovation haven't you and that creativity yeah because you know you have to think about the purpose behind it as well and mm -hmm. you know wasn't expecting to you know uh, unveil the next you know billion dollar idea um much of the benefit is actually the process itself and mm -hmm. literally the individual employee simply thinking that they've had a say and today I was able to have a say, it was presented back, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, so it's not even that, you know, they have to be amazing ideas. It's just the process itself is, is beneficial. So yeah. em empowering people is always going to be beneficial. Just giving mm. them that sense of, I own this process. I, I help shape the, the place that I work. Mm. So what did you discover? So obviously you, you probably don't want to share necessarily everything, but are there any kind of key key themes that came out that you think actually that's something we weren't aware of and that is really going to make a difference to, to the experience of our employees, the sense of well-being and um, how they engage moving forward? Yeah, I mean... Um... Yeah, if I'm brutally honest, there, there's a, you know, there's a couple of scenarios where it's like, we do that already. Um, wow. <laughs> you know, who is it that's, that's mentioned that? Because obviously, you know, it's like, right, okay, is there a communication issue there? Or is someone just not listening? Because, you know, we, we already, we already do this. Um, so, you know, those kind of answers are very interesting in themselves. Um that you know it's nice that, that people are actually saying yeah let, let's do more of this or you know we had um you know not not too long before that we had the photographer in doing some corporate shots for um you know the website and various bits and pieces and we were actually all in as a, as a company and i must admit it was a really you know it was a really nice day a lot of, lot of buzz and it was just great everyone um you know being here and you know, there were a couple of people that said, oh, yeah, that, you know, that was great. It was a really nice, you know, nice buzz. We should we should have a day a month where we're all in the office. Um, yeah, we, we get food in and we're just, you know, it's next it's the whole Yeah, it's the whole Menlo team. So, so that was nice. That was a, you know, um, you know, a, a nice suggestion. Um, and and then yeah, other, other takeaways, you're like, right, OK, who's you know, th there are definitely some suggestions that are um, you know, with them from certain individuals. Um, Explain you know, to listeners what that means. It's just like, you know, it's what's in it for me. So it's, you know, it's a very much, a, you know, principle you learn, you know, early on in, in, in recruitment, um, because normally you're you dealing, you know, you're looking at that from the candidate and, and the client side of things. Um, you know, if you're presenting something, you've got to think, you know, from, from their point of view, what, what's in it for me. Um, but, um, you know, by the nature, sometimes recruitment consultants can be very individual, uh, individually minded and, you know, a bit selfish. You know, some of the best recruiters are, are selfish, but then, yeah, that can translate into, right, what's in it for me? What's my job? What, what, what benefits can I get? So there are some suggestions where it's a little bit like, right, OK, so it's about, you know, giving you even more. Great. OK. Um, and then. Yeah, you look at others where, where people genuinely are kind of um, wanting to provide solutions. And then one of the most hilarious things was um, you know, one of the members of staff wanted to introduce a tuck shop, um, <laughs> you know, so 
so we now have uh, yeah a uh, you know a tuck shop going on which was which was which was funny but um yeah it'd been a burning design they'd never ever put it forward in the year it's like why have you never suggested this you've been working for us now for like you know four years um but um but yeah came came out of, of this discussion so again it's not something um earth shattering but it was important to that individual and it and it is benefiting you know a bunch of you know people that are you know that are engaging you know with it and it's a, it's a, it's a bit of fun so the ideas were you know really varied to to say the least i love that and i and i love you know when people ask for feedback in the open way that you clearly did just the breadth of um suggestions that you you get i think mean, that that touch up's a great example it reminds me of someone uh, in a company once one of the feedbacks um on the forms was there's never any milk in the fridge when I want to grab a cup of tea and I'm between yeah. meetings and it stresses yeah. me out and it's something so simple to resolve the talk shop's clearly so meaningful to that person and to mm -hmm. the people who are going to benefit from it um I love that I also think it's really interesting and I don't think it'd be unique to your company um this whole finding that people are making suggestions and they those things are already in place and it could be that actually hasn't been communicated well or it hasn't been people haven't listened but it really does mm. highlight that need for the continuous repetitious message about this is what is good or this is what we do or this is how we do it and I think we tend mm. to get we, we forget that we kind of mm -hmm. say well, we've done this stuff we've delivered these messages or maybe actually we think we have um that was certainly one of the things that rob reflected on um when we did the after action review is like well actually some of the stuff that we thought we told people like you know the purpose of the project maybe we haven't communicated that as clearly as we have we perhaps should have or maybe it needs communicating more than once or in different ways for different people and when we go back to actually some of it's just the need to revisit what we already do well it's not about necessarily finding those gaps and having to bring on lots of extra new stuff it's just about highlighting what we're already good at yeah um yeah and sometimes you know some of the you know suggestions it's just like you know some people want to revert back to analog sometimes you know in terms of you know communication because everything gets sent you know, via email via teams um and we were like, oh, right, okay, for goodness sake, we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll have a notice board, we'll have a physical notice board where, you know, if we have, you know, like a, um, one of the points of discussion, we've got a, like an award ceremony coming up in uh, in November um, and be going, yeah, so what's the, what's the dress code again? What are the timings? You know, what, what awards, blah, 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 blah. It's like, right, okay, we have communicated this several times digitally. Um, we'll get a notice board, we'll put it on there. We'll have some physical. So. Um, yeah, sometimes, you know, honestly, it's, it, it, it can just sometimes it's reverting to analog stuff and just very practical you know, things sometimes that you don't even you know, think of that, that can be just little you know, enhancers, even if it's not a, you know, a big deal. So, mm. But yeah, the main thing is it's just interesting to see what 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 people kind of, you know, produce and, mm. and come out with that. That's more interesting, as I say, than, yeah. the actual, you know, ideas. And I think that the process, like the communication that you just mentioned about having a, um, a notice board, I think that really highlights a, because it's been such a change, it's been such a fast yeah. pace in terms of everything's now digital, you know, there's an email about pretty much everything that happens in my life, but actually trying to find it at the right time yeah. <laughs> is a different matter. And, you know, I, you know, I use um, digital technology a lot, but I love having a notebook and I love um you know when I'm reading reading a paperback I just love that sense of actually not everything has to feel quite so digital so I like the fact you're recognizing that and just going almost old school isn't it like let's just make it really really simple yeah for people to access yeah um like you know even in um recruitment where uh you know you have so many different pieces of software in, in your tech stack mm. um when you're reviewing with, with with people and you know especially people that might have come from you know a uh, you know different uh you know industry previously mm. relating back to you know simple to-do lists and something you know pen and pad to back up um you know things and, and just to keep you organized um 
seems you know really important to, to people i must admit i you know I've, I've always been like a note taker in addition to i've i've, I've, I've made the switch though it's like a hybrid so i use like a, a remarkable pad then if you've, yeah. you know, you've seen them yeah. so you, can, you know which are fantastic um because you know i was getting through so many kind of like pads but i know yeah recently with with some of the guys you know one of the you know some of the the key things from sessions they, they've had is right you know it's like okay do something that works for for you then um mm-hmm. and if it is using like um one of the consultants was um you know a holiday rep in a, another life We're talking like a, a long time ago she said yeah you know, it was a holiday rep they had a career but she's like right i used to write everything down my day schedule it, you know i had to run to the you know to the minute and that was really effective for me um and she'd never used it the entire time we've been here but again you know she's she's been here like four years now so this is just like come to the fore all of a sudden she had a like, really fantastic year but it's like okay how can we refine your organizational skills even further and um yeah that that just kind of you know came to to mind and is is uh, something that that she is going to be you know using you know going going forwards so i think that highlights a really good um a really important need actually when someone moves company to before you actually explain this is how we do stuff in our company to almost ask that question how do you do things that work for you because Mm -hmm. people generally can be quite poor at transferring generalizing some of their skills you mm-hmm. know this is how I do it in that company but this is how they do it in this company and therefore I fit that mold whereas actually we turn it on its head and day one rather than this is how we do stuff tell us how you do stuff mm-hmm. and then find out actually what can be what can they can use as it is and what needs to be perhaps tweaked but holding on to that person's can you know knowledge experience of what works for them mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting approach. Mm-hmm. So what impact does your focus on people have? Because you spend a lot of time focusing on um, the people in, within your business. And I'm interested to know if you're kind of investing all this time, what impacts are having? Um, or actually, maybe I should rephrase that. <laughs> um, you're focusing on the business. So you're focusing on the business through your people um because there'll be some people skeptics saying well it's already well all those people we've got business objectives over here so mm-hmm. what impact is this having on your business on your business objectives um well you know i, I suppose what i'd say is in, in in recruitment like literally more so than probably any other industry you, know, you people literally are are your business um they're you know they are your revenue makers um you if you're not focusing on your on your people in a recruitment business you know it's like okay, what are your business objectives and the same and that's what we say to you know most of our clients you know for example if you know, we're working with a with a startup you know at the center of your business plan should actually be you know a, a person's a people strategy you know in terms of how you um you know hire them how you evaluate them how you make sure um you have the the right fit the right people in your company and and, and how you retain them so anyone that doesn't have um you know people and and is constantly focusing the people um, at the center of the business plan um that they're, they're probably um you know doomed to either you know fail in the, in the worst scenarios or certainly um you know uh not be anywhere near their competitors that are actually focusing on those elements of the business and i say when um you know, particularly in, in recruitment, um, especially when you don't, you know, you're not a large um, corporate, you know, company, we, we don't have a format where you have loads of, you know, average, you know, billers, um, and, and lots of them, you mm. know, so you have, you know, small geographical areas, you put them on there, they might not be that experience, they will, you know, they'll, they'll attract, a, you know, a certain yield, but it'll be enough because you've got lots of them. We've, we've got a lot of experienced consultants that are responsible for significant geographical areas. If they're not on point, if we're not getting the most out of them, um, then that is, you know, having a, a massive impact on, you know, on us as a business. Mm-hmm. So we have to be, um, you know, really aware of, of, of what's going on. And, you know, recruitment is a very... Mm-hmm. It is, you know, you, you can analyze it. It is easy to measure. You know, it is, whilst we don't have a KPI culture um, and we pass that ownership on to, uh, to the consultants, you, you can analyze, you know, um, those things. And, um, you know, we have regular, you know, meetings, desk diagnostic sessions, you know, every single week with our guys. And that's me and my business partner. So, so directly with the, uh, the consultants. So, you know, the impact is that it, it, you know, it does take up a lot of our time, but 
to be honest um that's probably how it how it should be um yeah, it's time well spent i would agree yeah, yeah. And, and have your engagement scores gone up in your surveys yeah we've seen a yeah we've seen a you know an increase in in the surveys and i'd probably put that down to um you know obviously the aim of you know a survey um is to uh, well, you know, for, for us anyway, it, it has an internal purpose of, um, you know, understanding what's working, what's not, and then um, taking actionable points from that and, you know, putting those into the, the business in a, in a visible way. Um, and, you know, if, if you do that and you're seen to, to do that, um, I think it naturally improves the engagement scores because, you know, people might say, right, okay, well, um, you know, I had this suggestion and this suggestion last time round. Um, I know it's been actioned. Um, I've got a company that's you know, listening you know, to me uh, and I no longer have that gripe. So actually my score has naturally, you know, got, got better. Um, so yeah, we've mm. seen a positive trend mm. you know, in surveys that we've, that we've conducted um, over the last year, for sure. So a challenge I thought would be interesting to unpick a little bit more is about the dynamic that can occur when you've got a group of employees who only know your way of doing things um, and they're lucky enough for it to be a, a you know, positive experience. And then you've got another group who are newer to the company who come with different experience. And it's not an uncommon problem where you've, you've, ending, you've got people who are kind of saying there's loads of really good stuff, different ways of doing things. Um, and perhaps people who just think actually what they've got is good enough. We don't need to change it. Or actually maybe what we've got is not good enough. I want it to be even better not realizing actually quite how good they've got it mm -hmm. is that something is that something that's playing out at menlo park is that sort of an experience that you have encountered with having different people from different backgrounds coming together um is that is that a reality for you yeah um because you know very early on in our um you know existence um i suppose for various reasons but certainly you know in terms of expense we would hire um, people with very little experience and, you know, um, all of their recruitment experience would be, you know, with, with, with Menlo Park and, you know, in some circumstances they're coming to us as, as graduates, so like completely fresh mm. and never worked, um, you know, anywhere else. Um, and then as, you know, as we got, um, you know, as we were more established, you know, we were bringing in, um, you know, different profile of, of person, um, more experienced people, people that had, um, you know, careers in, 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 in recruitment um, already. Um, but that was a good thing um, mm. in terms of just having a bit more balance and a bit more kind of, you know, um, diversity, you know, different opinions and, and that type of, of thing. Um, but, um, you know, I think, you know, every single company, you know, is, is going to have that. That's just the nature of, you know, people, even if you did hire a bunch of people um, that were only ever at Menlo Park, they'd still all be, you know, massively different because of, yeah. you know, people being, you know, people. Um, and, you know, whereas, you know, years ago, the mantra would be, you know, treat everyone the same. Um, Not now. Know, with, with positive intentions, obviously, you know, that's that that was, you know, um, you know, meant to be, you know, fair and uh, you know, based on parity. You know, obviously, you know, we now know that that you know that that's unrealistic. Everybody um, is different. Everyone else has different drivers, motivations. You know, they react to information, you know, differently. Um, so yeah, we we have a you know bunch of that going on, and we you know. Um, Sometimes, you know, because, you know, James and I didn't have any kind of like training, you know, we had never owned a business before setting up, you know, Menlo Park. Sometimes you've got to reach out for external help um, and get their opinions. And um, of course, sometimes, you know, external trainers, they have that experience of working with lots and lots of different companies, mm -hmm. seeing people from, you know, different backgrounds and different industries, and then, you know, being able to kind of, you know, just give you some fresh ideas and, uh, you know, have, you know, fresh conversations with, with employees that then give you, you know, further ideas about, you know, how that's, that's managed. Mm. Um, plus also they can say, look, you guys have got it good here. Cause I work with, you know, know 20 other different companies and uh, you exactly. know, uh, you're onto a good thing here. So. Yeah. And I think kind of using case studies is really good when you can get, um, when you've got people who are perhaps not as aware of how good they got it. Um, you know, they think things could be better actually to bring 
in case studies that are about other companies where perhaps things are not so good and why they're not so good mm. so that you can learn from them in terms of make sure you don't end up making the same mistakes but it also highlights just actually how good you you know how well you are doing things and we yeah. tend to use case studies about other companies a lot for how we can learn from them to be more like them but actually I think sometimes you can use them to just show how well you are doing stuff so people really appreciate what you're doing and yeah. um the effort that's going into to doing things well so I think it's always interesting when you ask people at um you know team meetings for people to bring along a different case study of something that they're um you know, inspired by or that they're, thank goodness we don't live uh, work there, um, and to share it and to explain, you know, to unpick that a little bit. Yeah. And sometimes, of course, you can demonstrate it with facts, like we say, look, this is our market share. This is how far ahead we are of, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, and we've, and we've won awards, you know, recently as well. So when you can demonstrate, you know, practical things in addition to culture, like, you know, um, market share and awards, you're like, you know, you're not just talk, you know, talking hyperbole or yeah. you know, in an abstract manner. It's like, look, we've, we've actually got the things to back it up. You know, we didn't have that, you know, once upon a time because we were a very young business. We were, we were a startup. Obviously, you know, we still you know, are considered a startup going like, you know, seven years. But we do also have factual things we can, you know, mm. back up claims, you know, with. Um, and of course, you know, our own experiences. Um, having you know worked in, in in recruitment and you know worked for you know, other people bef- before coming here, but you know it is it is a you know it is it is a problem. I think it's a problem you know within recruitment as well. We have some some young people um, you know out been patronising, earning significant sums of, of money sometimes, and um, to motivate them in in different areas, you know, in terms of you know performance or even increased performance or even just you know realizing potential. If someone's like, well, no, I'm I am good with this. I'm I'm happy at this level. I am comfortable. I don't need any more. They're the biggest challenges that we we face now. It's those people that are just really really kind of you know comfortable and are happy to you know, do what they're they're doing and are contributing and contributing you know significantly. It could do more but it's like but they're happy. not hungry for it they're not hungry for it and it's like i can see why because you've got it so good and you know your earnings are are thus that you know it's not going to make a difference earn it you know, it doesn't make if they earn any more it doesn't make a difference anymore so it's like, how do you motivate someone in that position particularly if they you know don't have you know leadership aspirations and things like that so they're all things that we're still you know trying to get our, our head around because of course you know the more established we've become and you know, the more successful um, we've, we've been, it's, it's a new, it's a new problem to kind of like face. Getting them there is, is one thing, but when they're there and it's like, yeah. I've reached the summit. Yeah. And it the- is that, that need for progression, that kind of what happens next is that's the, that's the bit that we definitely need clarity around so that everyone, regardless of where they are, can picture their next step. Cause you're right. That money actually doesn't cut it now yeah. i mean whether that changed with um cost of living crisis and so on but mm-hmm. at the moment all the research is showing that actually it's not about the money and actually lots of people are recognizing that leadership is not for them so yeah. then what is there and yeah. and i think that's a, a challenge that lots of companies are going to be grappling with that sense of what is it goes back to what's in it for me <laughs> like if you, yeah. if you want more from me what why would i do that when when things are so comfortable so i guess it's trying to identify what are their particular motivators? What is it that they are really excited about? Yeah, that's 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 key, and I think that's like a you know probably like a next level thing. I think that we'll we'll do with some team members, which is you know we've had you know psychometric testing involved in you know the recruitment process, um, but then sometimes you know you forget about that when when people are in situ. Mm. Um, I think you know with um, you know across the whole team some form of you know um testing um you know around motivations etc will be really important in terms of you know how we engage with 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 people and, and keep them you know satisfied because like you said you know some people you know want to earn more money some people want to progress mm-hmm. into leadership some people just want to be seen um as an expert in their field absolutely um, some people want to be seen as you know the best within you know the office amongst peers so there's lots of different you know motivations so you know again it just goes back to you can't you know assume the same you know we have a career pathway 
um, but everyone is kind of, you know, still different. And if you get to a, a certain level mm. and you want to stay at that level and, you know, you don't see yourself, you know, progressing, you know, along the leadership group, then then what what's going to keep that person engaged without them, you know, completely stagnating and, um, you know, just, just being bored or... Yeah. And that's the that's the personal approach that I think so many companies miss. They have this blanket policy. This is how we do progression in this company, and it doesn't work because it misses so many people. It doesn't. You can't possibly have something that fits everybody. So knowing, finding out what people, what they think their future will look like. You know, in two years' time, what would they like to be doing? What how would they like to be feeling when they're at work? And mm-hmm. so if it's exactly how they are now, then um, it's definitely worth unpicking that a little bit more but sometimes people just think oh, I've never really thought about what I actually mm-hmm. want to be doing in two years time or how I want to be feeling or you mm-hmm. know it could be something as simple as I want to be using my strengths more you know I, I love this sort of stuff and I want to just be doing that more mm-hmm. and not doing this stuff I find really boring whereas someone else in the company loves the stuff that I find really boring so it's it's just keeping an open mind isn't it and and yeah. working from where people are, are at right now yeah um and you know realizing that you know again you know people's curiosity and introspection is very different we're you know now we've got people in the office that grew up with google oh i've got an answer about you know i need to you know find something out i'll just ask google um you know we we didn't have, you know we we'd not you'd have to go out there looking for the answer or you know you'd get it from a certain authority thing yeah. it was a completely different way of um you know finding out information we now have another generation that are asking uh, Alexa. Um, so they may be, you know, they might actually be more, you know, curious when they come through than the generation that have just been using Google to, mm. to get their answers and honing in on articles, you know. Mm. Um, so just, you know, the way people um, actually interact with information and, you know, curiosity and, and all of those types of things. Um, I'd like to, you know, find out, you know, a bit more about that because I think there's a big psychology there, you know, in terms of, you know, drivers and actually, you know, the environments that, 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 that people um, have kind of, you know, grown up in. Um, yes. Yeah, massively. And I think also when you and Jane set out your vision for where Menley Park's going to be in two years time and almost have that at the end of the journey, the path, and just asking the people around you, right, how are you, what's your role? What's your specialism? What's your kind of, you know, your golden nugget that you can contribute to getting us from where we are now to that end point if you could take any journey you wanted to get from where you are now to there what would it be what would you be telling us to do and mm-hmm. I think when you give people that was that blank canvas of saying how would you shape it so you could make this your experience as brilliant as it possibly can be along that path but we are going to get to where we need to be um it's quite liberating it's quite daunting for some people and you have to kind of break that down a little bit but but giving people that say you know it's that opportunity to feedback again it's hugely mm-hmm. powerful yeah so what um as we wrap up the the kind of conversation i'd be interested to know what your must do's for leaders to take away from this conversation would be so what are the, the pieces of advice that you say actually if you could go and do these two or three things that make a real big difference what would they be um it's it's definitely um surveying engagement um but not doing it in an ad hoc sporadic way where you have a survey you know even quarterly and people are like oh right okay it's survey time again um mm-hmm. it, it has to involve different methodologies and you know be continuous you know throughout the you know the, the calendar year um and i think that's something um you know someone should action so if they're going to do it don't don't be lazy don't just don't just rely on you know automated survey um make sure you've got something you know like the events that we've described you know some some in-house stuff um and uh, you know canvas opinion on more than one occasion otherwise you're probably going to skew results and it's going to be a bit artificial um and then you know second um you know leading on from that is um you know have something that involves you know obviously you know quantifiable stuff but also qualitative stuff so that you actually um have actionable items um that you can work through and then going beyond that um have items that you know even for example if the surveys are anonymous which are you know really effective you you can go on you know ours for example you can go on and go yeah great point you know so we can talk this through um at, you know in more detail can you you know do you feel comfortable sharing your name 
nine times out of 10, you know, they, they do. So then use that person as actually, you know, a stakeholder and form, you know, working groups within the business where, um, you know, employees actually start to become responsible for, for some of these items. So it's not seen as, you know, top down and, you know, something that, you know, management is imposing, but it's actually something that, you know, someone has suggested and there's a chance to actually, you know, form a group and actually bring it to fruition and, and have some, some, some ownership over it as well. Um, so they're probably the, you know, the, the, the two things that, that people can start doing, which are actually quite easy as well. Because the other thing, you know, the, the thing on the second point is that that's actually delegation and that's actually <laughs> going to free up some time as well. So the beautiful thing about that is it, it it's really effective, but it's actually going to free up some of your time as well and, uh, and stress because you're passing that on to, uh, to someone else. Love that. That's, it, that's always a win-win, isn't it? They're happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And so what are you going to be focusing on personally or professionally for the next three months this is a question i'm asking all my guests yeah um got another kind of you know new um you know division to to, to look at so um i'm gonna be um yeah getting my head around some you know some contract stuff and all of the legislation and legal stuff and bureaucracy and and things like that, that that come with it so that that is <laughs> an absolute kind of you know nightmare but um you know, with it um, comes actually training, you know, a couple of people up on, on that side of things as, as, as well. So there's going to be, uh, um, you know, a lot of, you know, training involved, you know, not just from the, um, you know, the, uh, the legislation side of things, but also from the, you know, the practical stuff in terms of, you know, the, uh, the industry um, and then just, you know, recruitment techniques. So, yeah, there's it's going to be quite, busy. Quite, quite busy, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So to finish off, my last question is from Magnus Wood, another of my guests on this podcast, who has provided this blind question for you, Andrew. Mm -hmm. What is the one piece of advice you've had at work that you've regretted the most not taking and perhaps you've learned the hard way? Well, that's a tough one. The one piece of advice I've regretted not taking. Um... Hmm. Um, I was about to say, um, you know, actually, when I was at my previous place of work, um, accepting, you know, uh, you know, why not to accept counter offers? Um, but I'm also a believer in, you know, things are meant to happen for, you know, a reason. And if, you know, at the time, you know, on, on paper, I shouldn't have accepted a counter offer and stayed where I was. But at the same time, if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't be here now. Mm. Um, so genuinely, I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm quite philosophical and I'm one of those people that, you know, yes, I might kind of like, you know, dwell on, on, on some things and go into the nitty gritty, but I'm also very philosophical, like, well, you know, if that had happened anyway, then I wouldn't be where I am now. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with where I am, um, you know, now. Mm. Um, so, and I think the other thing as well is because for like, the last seven years i've now kind of like ticked over into the amount of time where i've worked for myself longer than i've worked for other people so it's very rare that you actually get external um or really you know advice from from the top that actually influences the decisions that you make uh, on a day-to-day -day basis so it would have been nice maybe to have a bit more advice and uh, <laughs> you know and, and, and guidance along the way um you know uh, for sure um, I'd really like some, you know, advice and guidance, you know, in relation to, you know, establishing, you know, new sectors, because I've, I've had to really kind of, you know, learn the, the hard way that you can't apply certain principles and um, values and ways of working, you know, for example, you know, as we do on primary care to new industries, you know, sometimes. So I'd have loved someone telling me, you know, you've got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I know that's a roundabout way of, uh, you know, answering, you know, that, that question. But yeah, that, that's been my experience. Maybe you could become that person, like a mentor for other people in your position. Yeah, ab absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, I think so. And I think with, you know, the, the people we've got and, and the relationships that, that I've, you know, that we've got here, um, you know, James and I, you know, both, you know, dispense some some good advice you know from you know having been there and, and and done it that the guys can yeah can benefit from for sure andrew i have really enjoyed this conversation today um thank you so much for sharing 
just how you've shaped um, quite consciously from the outset your company to put your people first and how you've gone about um, getting that feedback to continually shape what happens in the future so that it is as meaningful and as engaging as it can be for um, the people who work with you. So um, I have found it really interesting. I'm sure listeners will have picked up some different ideas about potentially how they could approach um, some of these situations as well. So thank you so very much for your time today. Yeah, no, my pleasure and um, you know, listen to a few of these things. So hopefully I've actually provided some practical examples and not just you know, talked about it in an abstract way. Um, That's been great. Yeah, it's been really good. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. I hope it's got you thinking about how you can make a real difference to company culture that enables people to engage and thrive. I'm always about providing real value and so I need your help. Please rate the podcast and review it to let me know what you have enjoyed and found helpful. Maybe you also have ideas about specific topics or guests who you'd like to hear from in the future. If you would like to explore any of the points covered in these episodes, I would love to hear from you. Let's continue the conversation. Email me at it's time for change or connect with me on LinkedIn or why not pick up the phone? I love to walk and talk. My details are in the show notes. Please do let me know what inspires you. That way I can make sure what I'm talking about is most helpful. Until next time, bye for now.